live from the Jester Room at Prankster's Gar and Brill in Tempe, Arizona. And brought to you by Pootrap, the magic poop collector. Easy to install on your dog and makes your walking experience fun. No poops, no oops. I'm Delmon. And I'm Malicious. And this is EQ2 Talk. <laughs> This is episode 62, and we're recording on March 31st, 2013. And Allie, why don't we still have theme music? Well, you see, Dell, I was up late polishing my shoes and then putting them out by the front door in hopes that St. Easter Bunny would soon be there. And then me and my best friend Sally, we stood out in the Easter patch all night waiting for the great egg. But he never came. Oh, that's so sad. It's okay, though. I did have my blankie with me. Oh, your blankie. My security blanket. Well, as you may have guessed, in honor of Bristlebane Day, we're doing a little bit of role reversal here on EQ2 Talk. As our regular listeners know, uh, every show has either an alley angle question or an are you smarter than a Delmon game. Uh, but for Bristlebane, we're kind of switching places. So... Delmon, we start out with the Delmon angle. Are you ready for your Delmon angle question? I am ready for the 2013 edition of uh, the Delmon angle. I I think although the hipsters, they refer to it as the dangle. That's right. That's right. The dangle. (laughs) How soon we forget. Yeah, well, I never forget. I love my dangle, Allie. (laughs) So your question this year, Del, is what do you think are the three most important lessons learned from EQ2 that you think the dev team should be mindful of when they're launching EQ Next? Uh, now, I got to say, this is a rather interesting question, Allie, uh, and a very good question. Before I give my, my answers, I just want to say one thing or what make a comment and maybe get your opinion on it. For some reason, there seems to be a lot of fascination uh, in the player base, especially in the EQ2 player base, as far as I can tell, with what is EQ Next? Uh, personally, I don't get it. I don't see why people are so excited about what's next as opposed to what we have today. But doesn't it seem that there's a lot of constant buzz around EQ Next? I have to agree with you. And I think the reason is multiple. There are multiple reasons. Uh, I think especially in EQ2, because a lot of EQ2 players are originally EverQuest players. And they went to the next new thing, which was EverQuest 2. And it would stand to reason that they would be interested in what's the next new thing on the horizon for the EverQuest franchise. So I I think also there is this kind of, what's the word, nostalgia about EverQuest that EverQuest players have. I think it's universal. Uh, Everybody who has played EverQuest seems to have a story that's like this huge epic story. Now it might be one of these big fish tales that grows with time, right? Absolutely. Don't they all? <laughs> but you know, everybody seems to have 
some story about getting lost or some three hour corpse run or, you know, some raid that went afoul and who's to blame and how funny it was looking back and, and stories about, you know, crazy things people did to train a zone or whatever. Uh, And it just seems to have this almost bard like quality with, you know, this sort of folklore, you know, tales people pass on to the next generation kind of a thing. Absolutely. And I can think of many. I think we shared some of them in our very first episode when I talked about my experiences of of not understanding that you can revive and just having to create another character every time. <laughs> I actually believed EQ launched with permadeath uh, and not being able to see at night. So it's true. Those stories are just uh, they're things of legend mm-hmm. uh, nowadays. And you're right. I like the way you described it there. Uh, a bard-like quality about them. Uh, I envision people sitting around in bars uh, with their with their beers in hand listening to tales of EQ lore and, and days of old of EQ. Uh, but it just seems, you know, Everywhere you turn, you know, coming out of every con that SOE participates in, what's the latest buzz about EQN or EQ3 or, you know, what's next? Uh, when's the big reveal? When's this? When's that? What are we going to mm-hmm. have? What it, it, it just surprises me so much that folks are so um, excited about mm-hmm. what's next. Well, do you think it might have something to do with they've kept it under such tight wraps that it's sort of like the present under the tree that you can't peek under and you just want to peek under there. Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe. Uh, but again, you know, it's I guess to me, maybe I'm maybe I'm too. Uh, and I don't know the right term the two the guy who's too in the moment. I guess I'm not worried about what's on the horizon. Mm-hmm. I'm more worried about what we have today because uh, nothing I can do today can affect what EQ3 is going to launch like. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not going to certainly change, you know, uh, their direction, you know, based on what we say here in a podcast or something like that. But uh, so I guess I'm more worried, uh, you know, it'll be it is what it is or it will be what it will be uh, and it will get here when it gets here. I think right? that's a song. <laughs> OK, I didn't even know that. Uh, you know, so that's what I think. So I, I, I just there's always this buzz and people love to talk about it and. You know, uh, websites are already chattering about it. And who knows? Uh, it, this thing is still could be a ways away. Uh, mm. I know we do know there's a reveal coming, I think, this year at SOE Live as we're going to get to see something this year. Uh, and certainly uh, all this buzz has been created by what? Uh, two paintings and a, and a picture of a guy with a bald head? See, I don't think that's it. I think that it's it's definitely the buzz comes from people's love of the genre of the game of the title of the franchise of their experience in it okay i think i really think that's where it comes from and it's like this self-fulfilling i think whenever you put eq in front of anything it's going to have buzz true 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 i think and uh, you know to some degree it is one of the the granddaddies of them all so maybe you're right whenever the the phrase eq is mentioned no matter what it's attached to Everybody has a, um, some form of reference to that. Mm-hmm. And a lot of players played it, you know, maybe not uh, to the depth that some others have, but everybody, and, I, and I'll use air quotes, everybody played it, right? Or mm-hmm. everybody knew about it or knew what it was. And uh, everybody has today the game that they may be playing in the MMO space to some degree has EQ to thank for it. Right. If, if not degree. for what, yeah. 
Like six degrees of, e- of EverQuest or whatever. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I mean, you go to a con or you watch videos about other companies talking about their title, and they say, oh, yeah, I played EQ. You know, so uh, a lot of people have drawn on that. And, you know, maybe, too, because we've heard so many things about, oh, it's changed. It started this. And uh, the other term I hear quite often thrown about is sandbox. Mm. And everybody's thrilled about a sandbox. Uh, I will say I am not thrilled by that. Uh, to me, Sandbox uh, is a place where it was gritty. It got in my shorts, in my between my toes. Other little kids threw it at me. You know, Aww. I never had a lot of good time in the Sandbox. So Aww. maybe I'm uh, intimidated by the fact that it might be a Sandbox. I don't like sand. It's coarse and rough and irritating. And it gets everywhere. Cats uh, peeing. Yeah, I fear that I'm going to end up sitting in cat pee. Ugh. Well, anyway, let's let's just answer the question. Yes, about, I'm sorry. Let's get back to the question. Yes, Louisville Hog Citizen. <laughs> Thank you. Nothing to see here. <laughs> Nothing to see here. At least until August first. Do you need the question again? Oh yes, one more time. The question okay. again, please. Okay, Dal. What do you think are the three most important lessons learned from EQ2 that you think the dev team should be mindful of when launching EQ Next? Sure, sure. So uh, I did come up with three plus one. Uh, and, and I have to say my, my three, I had a challenge of deciding which one was any more important than the other. It's so, plus one a beast Lord. No, it's a plus one is not beast Lord. Okay. Good. Sorry. <laughs> I just want to check. Okay. Although now I'd like to put plus one dot five and one dot five be beast Lord. Okay. <laughs> Can't launch an EQ game without beast Lord or you're, or you're doomed to fail. All right. Uh, but the, the top three that I had, I'm going to just say they're all equals. They're all one A's of each other. I, I, I had a difficult time prioritizing them. The fourth one, uh, I'm going to put in the category of honorable mention if I could. Okay. Uh, didn't seem to be as on par with the other three, but it was still important nonetheless. Uh, and that honorable mention thing is mobility. And what I mean by that is uh, some form of uh, second screen mobile device type play. So I'm playing when I'm not actually in front of either my PC, which we might think this game is, or my console, if they do go that route again, we don't know, PC versus console or both. So when I'm not in front of my TV or my computer monitor per se, when I'm on my pad, I'm on my tablet, I'm on my smartphone, somewhere else where I can interact with the game. Uh, Not sure if I, I, I think play the game on that second screen device necessarily, but at least be uh, up to speed with it. And more so than just, I mean, reading Facebook or Twitter posts about it, Uh, getting alerts from the game, some type of mobile app. And and that's certainly a place where uh, SOE has fallen down thus far, I think, when it came to mobile apps for EQ2 at least. Uh, They took a swing at it. I think they struck out in one pitch on it, and uh, now they've sent it back down to the minors. (laughs) Or maybe Mm -hmm. kicked it out of the league altogether. Something like that, you know, maybe interacting with the broker. If there's some form of selling environment like that, an economy where I can price or purchase while not necessarily in the game. Uh, Perhaps a way to uh, interact with with the census data like we see today through uh, EQ2U and some of the other websites out there. Some form of mobilize that where I can uh, adjust my character or at least review him. Uh, Maybe if uh, there is some component of mini-gameness to it, like we might see today with the crafting in EQ2. 
Uh, I'd somewhat describe that as a mini game a little bit. Now I'm using terms loosely here, uh, very nebulous like, but something like that where maybe it's just moving my character around or, or getting to location, getting back into the guild hall, moving to where the, wherever the, the combat that I'm going to participate later in or updating him, uh, something along that lines. But participating with the game when I'm not in the game. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense, and it's a really great idea, especially like uh, the idea of being able to even just to interact in a very um, like overview type of way where you're not actually in the game, but being able to look at the broker, for example, uh, maybe guild chat or something like that, being able to sort of talk with people who are online and say, you know, um, looking forward to raid tonight or whatever. That that's kind of cool. I like that idea. Absolutely, and they did have that guild chat at one time, but it seemed to break apart or, or didn't didn't uh, last very long. I think they ran into difficulties mm-hmm. with it. Uh, so that that sort of thing, being like I said, interacting with the game, playing, and I'll put that in air quotes a little bit because I'm not sure what the full capabilities of it will be, but playing somehow while not in front of my my primary uh, screen. I like it. Okay. I like it. That's very cool. All right. So uh, one of my top threes. Uh, and the first one is, and again, and these are in no particular order, 24 classes is too many, Allie, something we certainly see in EQ2. Uh, what that has done over time is created what I'll call um, rainbow classes a little bit, where because there are so many and so many specs, they start to tread on each other a little bit, and that uniqueness uh, starts to go away. They start to blend in too closely together. I think uh, I would believe in the, the the kiss mentality a little bit. Keep it simple, stupid. Stick with f- the four archetypes, right? Your fighters, your healers, your spellcasting, and your, your rogues, your thief type things. And, of course, plus Beast Lord. <laughs> uh, if you want to create varieties of those, I would only say create one or two of them. You know, so maybe branching as far out as eight. We, we created this elaborate system, and it may have worked on the whiteboard uh, day one back when EQ2 launched, you know, with 24 classes, uh, good, neutral, and evil. Uh, but over time, I think that all kind of broke, broke apart. I think mechanics won out over lore a little bit or mm, desire yeah. to play a little bit more. So I, I think trying to create too much is too much. Uh, keep it simple. Keep it direct. Uh, and again, I think we saw a little bit, or have heard a little bit rather, in Rift, where they created all these soul trees and AA configurations where you can kind of be more than another. And that created that rainbow effect where there starts to be uh, challenges, I think, when you try to balance this or you want to add something because you've created this elaborate tree system like the Beast Lord, right? Now all of a sudden we've got a scout who wears leather armor. So that throws loot tables off, rebalancing, itemization is all messed up because they created this perfect tree on the whiteboard in the beginning but now have had a difficult time adapting to it uh, as time goes on. And trying to add additional spells, well, there's no way to fit them, right? Because if you have one-to-one somebody, uh, everybody is going to want something, right? So now you've got to come up with 24 unique spells to give to 24 classes and while keeping them all in balance. Uh, so I give the team a tremendous amount of credit for new AAs when they come up with them and, and new prestigious, not just higher abilities, but actually unique new ones uh, and trying to make sure that they don't create this this jigsaw puzzle uh, where where one class becomes overpowered because he got more than somebody else. 
So I, and I, I think that leads to the the old classic, the favoritism class, right? When, mm, yeah. The, the class that's in, you know. You hate my class. <laughs> well, yes. And, why do you love? Why do you love wizards so much? Exactly. Why do you hate rangers? And 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 you know why can't my assassin res? You know. <laughs> Right. Well, it doesn't fit because if now if you res, then we got to give that to Rangers because they're the, the twins of you. Uh, and then you start again. You you create that rainbow effect, right? Where yep. there's there's the blurs in the middle, and it becomes very difficult to tell what's what's why am I playing this versus that? What what's so special about what I can do if everybody can do it? Yeah, it's interesting that you you talk about that uh, the blurring of the the lines between the classes. I think EQ two is pretty good with not blurring them so much. I mean, there, there are times when, you know, those pairs are a little bit blurred. Um, but I think they're unique enough to distinguish when you've been playing for a long, really long time. Mm-hmm. But to new players, I, I've been stopped in Kino's Harbor by somebody asking, what's a ranger? And I needed to go somewhere. So I just kept it simple and said, well, we're an assassin who shoots arrows. <laughs> And do less damage. <laughs> and then the next question is, well, what's an assassin? Right, right. Well, not well, a, no, ra- a ranger who's up close. Right. <laughs> and, and you go so, to the website and you get that one or two sentence answer, right? Right. right. Uh, so I, you're right. You know, as a, as a new player, too, walking in and you see 25 uh, classes plus nine trade skills, you're, you're almost overwhelmed as to what should I be? What do I want to be? Because right. what do any of these do? Well, you got to read all 24 and figure out what they all are. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And I'll be. So I, too, that's a good one. Uh, I believe in what I'll call the Wonder Woman twirl, mm. um, and I and I think that's what's going to kind of happen. That's my guess. Right now, maybe I'm. Uh, that's the furthest thing from truth. We see that in free realms, right? Yes. But one moment you're a postman, the next minute you're a chef, and <laughs> you know all you got to do is hit the the spin button. Why create this barrier for play? I level my Templar all the way to ninety five, right? If I want to now play a bard, now I got to start all, all over again and work all my way up, right? Mm. I almost, make an alt. Yeah, you have to make right. it. It's a completely other thing. Now, certainly, again, that we've blurred that a little bit with heirloom and the ability for persistent looting and selling and all that sort of thing, right? But really, I have to stop what I'm doing and completely start all over again. Yes. Everybody has to do that. And redo everything you've done, all access, all language, everything. Right. So I kind of believe in the... If I want to be that, why can't I just Wonder Woman twirl and become that? I can still be Delmon, but I'm no longer Delmon the Templar. I'm now Delmon the Dirge. Mm. You know, maybe I have to work on my dirgely abilities, but I shouldn't have to learn Froglock all over again. Right. Or gain access to Death Toll. Let me work on my dirgely things uh, while I'm on the Dirge, or let me work on my Templar abilities when I'm on the Templar. But all those other things, just let me have them if one of them has them. One of I like my it. personalities has them. And so I can be everything. I as think long that, as there's not 24. Well, yeah. And you know what? For Although for a person like me who's a you know an OCD completionist. You'll do them all. I'll, of course I will. I'll max out all of those abilities. Um, but again, it's like, you know, uh, when they first launched achievements, they were originally going to be uh, account based. People said, "No, no, no, make them class based." So now, if you want destroyer of of giants, you got to kill another ten thousand on another alt. Right. I, I like that concept of the twirl. Let me be all that I can be on one tune. Why should I have to uh, offense, uh, effectively? And I'll use air quotes again. Log off, Delmont, yeah. and start on Bard all right. over again. Yeah. 
I like it. I like that idea. Okay. Kind of cool. All right. So that was one. Uh, uh, classes. Uh, 24 classes is too many. Uh, the second point I had is uh, don't make your crafters second-class players. Uh, and we've somewhat seen that happen in EQ2 over time. Uh, dropped loot is better than crafted loot. I, I don't think that was the original spec when the game was being designed and when it first launched, but it has certainly evolved into that. Uh, I don't know if it's because uh, trade skilling became too hard or too complex or the system was just too big and bloated for itself and then you know ended up imploding on itself. Uh, or if it was players wanting the instant gratification. I don't want to have to wait around for a weaponsmith to make me nails so I, as a carpenter, I can make the bureau. I want to be able to make the bureau. And uh, uh, an armor smith shouldn't need sh- uh, 10 sheets of metal to make uh, uh, four arms, and the weaponsmith only need two sheets of metal to make uh, uh, a mace, right? Well, when it got really messed up is when you had... Uh, spell crafters because you had to make the ink but the ink was made from like three or four different things and if you screwed it up you screwed it up and you didn't get any ink right right and those three or four different things were also subcombines from other classes so it was really hard it, it was a very complex system mm-hmm. uh, and i think to some degree people liked it mm-hmm. uh, but i think what ended up happening to a little bit over time was uh, pristine, which was the top tier, became the only desirable tier. <laughs> Everything else was crap, right? That yep. was back to the vendor with that sort of stuff. Uh, people did not like losing their rares because, though, well, they were rare. Yes, they you were know, extremely rare. They were extremely rare. So, if especially if you were commissioned to make something and you failed, that person wanted their rare back, or they Except wanted you your hide. <laughs> you didn't. Yeah, exactly. You didn't have commissioning then, but. Yeah, right, or it gave you point. the items to make the thing, right? Because right, in the beginning, I don't think anything that you made trade skilling wise was no was no trade. Everything yeah. was well. Um, so over time, though, uh, may, maybe because of a lot of these different reasons, I don't think there's any single one, obviously, to, to point out and say, oh, that caused the downfall of trade skilling. Uh, but uh, certainly trade skilling has become somewhat of a second class citizen. We have seen you know, moments when, when crafting rose to the top. Uh, but then it seemed to relegate back down to, you know, well, why would I want that? Why am I making this? I mean, still there's some things that are, are desirable, uh, so certain consumables like food, uh, like uh, poisons and those sort of things and potions. Uh, but really, crafters, or crafters, excuse me, uh, carpenters, well, once you make a bed, that bed lives forever, right? Beds don't degrade, neither do anything else. And through all these uh, live events, uh, that we've seen over time. There's just so much stuff out there. And plus the, the station cache, the marketplace, uh, has cut into some of this crafting space. A common common complaint, oh, the best items are only in station cache. Why can't we players make them? Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I think over time crafting has, has become a bit of a mini game, a bit of a second-class citizen in-game. And I don't think that was the intent, but that's what, what it became. And that that interdependency relationship between the adventurer and the stay-at-home crafter, um, well, now everybody's both. I think you're right. I mean, I think to some degree that's that's true. I think we certainly do have uh, a player base that primarily crafts. 
But I also think that they do other things as well, like decorating and things like that. And the the dungeons and whatever you call them, design your own. What is that called? Dungeon maker. Dungeon maker. Highly yeah. successful dungeon maker. Yeah, that. Um, and I think that there is a, I mean, there's a crafting channel. And I know that there's a high level, you know, people who have all the recipes for all the faction oriented things from way back and um the the all the different rare what do you call them the trade skill assistant mm-hmm. aspects and now it's even more complex with some of the newer prestige line things so i think we we are seeing a little bit better attention being paid but i totally agree that crafting is a second class mm-hmm. uh, certainly when it becomes when it when it when it involves the reward yeah right uh, have you? How often do you see uh, a player, uh, an adventurer, looking for an armor smith to make something, mm. a weapon smith to make something? I believe everybody has a provisioner. I just swear everybody does. Uh, if they don't, they're probably playing the game wrong or don't know that they're supposed <laughs> to have one, right? You know, nobody wants a, a do apprentice for spells even exist. I'm not even sure what they're called anymore. A journeyman. I think they're called journeyman. Nobody uses those. Nobody well, see, uses the adepts. The thing is, I do have a provisioner, but I don't have the time to put into the provisioner to do all of the higher end recipes that I use for Allie. So I don't use my provisioner. I buy my food and drink. Okay. Believe it or not. Right. It's out there, so, though. But I'm just saying there's so many, so much of the crafting uh, game that the rewards are, well, they're junk. Right. Yes. And especially, I would actually say it's maybe even gotten worse recently with the advanced solo instances. <laughs> yeah. And the proliferation of fabled stuff that's dropping in them mm. uh, that players are selling. Yeah. Right. Why would anybody on 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 Brell's Green Earth buy a breastplate from an armor smith? I did ask you one time to make me a weapon for appearance. Okay. It, was, it went with my Irelisi Day outfit. <laughs> You're one of the five people in eight years who probably yeah. asked me to make something. I mean, you were so excited too, but I remember you charged me for fuel. Did I? That's you totally fair. did. I, I can believe. I can believe that. I paint when I ask somebody else to make me something. I always give them the fuel. Oh, I do too. But I had a pat uh, in the it, back. But it was funny because I'm like, oh, can you make me this? And you're like, what? You want me? You want me to make you something? Right. I mean, who who needs a weaponsmith? Other than maybe the epic, right? When we have to make one item. Yeah. For that, or you know. Uh, but and then, you know, those became heirloom, too. So if you got an all to the weapons, right. eh, then you make it yourself. Right. Uh, so uh, who needs interdependency? Right. So get these other players out of my MMO. <laughs> they're so they're so annoying. Other players. <laughs> uh, but, you know, the rewards, nobody needs them. Uh, go run an advanced solo. Take your Merc out. Uh, you're going to even your legendary stuff will trump anything a, a, a player can make. The, the the adornments are better on them. Everything is better about them. Uh, so certainly the 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 whole reward system, it's just not up to par anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, other than those few, I, let's call them fringe trade skillers, right, who actually do have a market in, because they're consumables. Uh, heck, they start putting dropped food on in, in instances, that'll dry, the provisioner market will dry up. You know, so you've really got enough, provisioners, yeah. you've got alchemists and um, maybe sages. So if you need something to research, but again, fabled ma- fables are uh, masters rather are dropping all the time too. Mm. go to the broker. Heck, probably some of the masters are cheaper <laughs> on the broker than the, than the crafted spells that led up to them. 
Uh, that's my thing. I guess crafting certainly has taken is is sitting at the back of the bus right now. Yeah. And I think uh, I think going forward, they need to make sure that it stays current. You've got to keep it on par with your adventuring rewards. Yep, I uh, like it. That's that means really making point. obviously the 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 rares rare again. You know, putting the rare back in rare, uh, and difficulty back in you know making pristines. You know, things that people want again, uh, and not caving into the boohoo. Pristine is the only tier that's of value. Yeah, I like it. That's a good point. Okay, so my my final one was, and and I'm going to use this term loosey goosey a little bit. Uh, but it's it's player studio. Uh, the concept of player studio, and I'm going to tag so so emote in there as well. Uh, and I'm going to put uh, highly successful dungeon maker in this category a little bit as well. Uh, and that's the concept of allowing players to uh, affect your game, to to be part of the game, to be part of the. Uh, design process to some degree. Certainly I'm not saying turn the game over to them completely, uh, give them the source code, let them go haywire. Uh, but engaging your players and allowing them to give the opportunity to affect the world, uh, both through making things like we see in Player Studio, having items in there, having your face in game through SOE mode, and, and, and the hairstyles and all those other things we're going to be able to make in Player Studio. But also, uh, a, little bit, a little further than that is have player actions matter in the world. Uh, and one of my favorite uh, stories about this that, that really, really struck home to me, really made me feel like I was part of North, and I've talked about this in the past, I think, is back in the DOF days. If you remember the Maj Dual City, mm-hmm. you could go, you had to fight up those towers. Mm-hmm. And as you killed the guy at the top of the tower, that tower changed control. You were affecting the layout of the city. All of a sudden, that tower went from blue to red because of you did it and killed so-and-so. And it respawned in different cases. And then there was another quest called the Ring of Fate that when you completed it, uh, the city got overrun by uh, orcs. And now there are orcs running around in a contested city killing people. The Court of Tears or whatever. Yes, the Court of Tears all of a sudden got control of the city. You're exactly right. That mattered. You know, mm-hmm. all of a sudden that became a dangerous place for a little while uh, because of what a player did. And whether I did it when I, when I completed my quest or I went to visit there and I rounded the court and I'm like, holy smokes, there are orcs running loose here. I got to get the heck out of Dodge. It mattered. You yeah. know, it affected the world. I really changed the, the, the layout of Norath, what it looked like, and how other people were going to have to interact like that. And that, to me, meant I had value in the game, that I was affecting the world, and I was part of it. I was thrilled when I completed that storyline. Uh, I wish we saw more of that. I wish in these contested spaces we saw the effects of what other players were doing. Uh, the game has become overly instanced, I think. Mm. You go off into your little corner and you play over there by yourself. What you do in that zone and uh, what's the one there in DO, uh, DOV, excuse me, uh, you go in, it's ice, and you come out, it's, uh, it's all green. Uh, uh, Ascent, uh, Ascent of uh, the Awaken? Yeah. No. No, Wait. that's not you, Forgotten you, Pools. It's the one between Forgotten Pools and uh, Ascent. Ascent, whatever. I knew right. there was Ascent in there. I think anyway. you merged an expansion into <laughs> factions all of the way. But, right, everybody should know what we're talking about. You go in there, the instance, and you you affect the instance, right, it, but based on your actions. Yeah. Uh, but it's an instance, so it goes away when you zone out. I, I like to see those sort of things in the overland zone. You know, maybe if you win a public quest, for example, 
uh, that area gets taken over by one side. Or if you lose the public quest, uh, an area becomes dangerous all of a sudden, for example. You know, so the, the player actions, uh, not only through design, through player studio, but player actions in-game really matter to, uh, to the Overland, to what other players are going to have to see and how they're going to have to navigate the world to and make decisions based on what another player might be doing. Yeah, that's really a uh, really interesting concept, and and I think you're right about uh, things have become too instanced. And even the you mentioned public quests a minute ago. Uh, public quests to me feel very like outdoor instances, in a way. Mm-hmm. It's pre- it's predictable behavior, essentially, uh, from the NPCs anyway. And you're just outdoors. So there's a little bit of contested aspect to it because or multiplayer aspect to it because it's outdoors. But uh, but what you're talking about is actually affecting the world that other people experience and affecting their gameplay and their experience at, at the time that you're doing something or your your experience being affected. And I think the fact that you did it in the DOF time frame maybe gave it more impact. Mm-hmm. Because it was more contested. It was more scary. You know, you needed to go there for a quest update and some guy's turning in his ring of fate and there's all these orcs running around and it's a scary place to be and you can't do your quest or whatever. I think that's that makes it even more exciting. Uh, yeah, absolutely. You think of something like, you know, if an epic is up, all the mobs in the zone become more difficult or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, or if the epic's been killed, all the mobs change and leave or something. You know, because their master is gone. I think, you know, maybe if you were to kill Mayong, all of a sudden Mistmore Castle has a different look and feel to it. There are different NPCs in there or something like that or, or killable play, killable mobs or something like that. Yeah, or they uh, have different like spatial chat or or whatever. I, I think that that's a really, really cool concept. Right. And I so I, you know, I've always said I always thought DOF was one of the best uh, expansions ever because we saw those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. And you, you mentioned spatial chat. Spatial chat told you the story of the entire expansion. Mm-hmm. Things that happened, NPCs who spawned, you know, while they were doing what they were doing, were talking about what was going on. And I have to say, I always thought Ring of Fate quest uh, was fantastic for that, working with the different factions and trying to understand how they all interrelated together. And it, there really was a, without getting too sappy here, there was a tapestry weaving in that in that zone, <laughs> in that storyline that really involved me and made me feel like I was part of it and uncovering what was going on. And then when I did, I I changed the world because of what I did. I solved the problem and the world was different. Mm-hmm. Very, so. very cool. So in review... Uh, what you think are the three most important lessons learned from EQ2 that the dev team should be mindful of when they are uh, working on EQ next? So honorable mention would be some form of mobility or second screen interaction with the game. Mm-hmm. Now, my top three were uh, 24 classes is too many. Keep it simple, stupid. Next, don't make your crafters a second class citizen. And thirdly, uh, player studio and interaction within that sandbox. Make player actions and involve players in the making, design, and and gameplay where it affects other players as well. Very nice. I like your list. It's very thorough and thoughtful. Oh, well, thank you. I like that question so much. Uh, you know, keep your eyes out, Allie. It may appear as an Allie Angle question somewhere down the road, too. Oh, boy. All right. Well, I'll... I'll try and study for that, too, because, you know, I studied for the next segment. And what segment is that? That's Are You Smarter Than an Alley? 
That's right. That's right. All of a sudden, tables are turned. It's a little scary. Yes, yes. So, uh, you know, Allie, in the past, uh, when it has been Are You Smarter Than an Alicious, we've had some extra fun with these games. And uh, this year, 2013, is no different than in the past. So this year, Allie, you are going to appear on several game shows again. And hopefully this year you will be able to uh, come out on top. It's been topsy-turvy in the past, but I'm feeling confident, Allie, this year is your year. Oh, I like the sound of that. All right. So are you ready for your first game, Allie? Uh, Yes, I'm totally 100% ready. Okay, Allie. Your first game is Wheel of Ferrat. <laughs> oh, no. All right, Allie, you are going to play Wheel of Farad. And Wheel of Farad, uh, let's be honest, is just like Wheel of Fortune. So, Allie, you have been provided already uh, in advance of the recording uh, with the game boards. And you have the first game board there ready for you, do you not? I I have it right in front of me. Okay, so uh, the first game is the category is NPC. And the the puzzle is a uh, one word. Nine letters, Allie. And you're going to be able to choose five consonants and one vowel. And then I will tell you where to plug those letters in on the game board. And then you'll have a little bit of time to think about what you think the answer might be. Make sense? Make sense? Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. All righty. So what will be your five consonants, Allie? I'm struggling to remember what they do on Wheel of Fortune because they always pick the same letters. I'm going to go with S, N, R, T, and let's pick, uh, let's go with a D. And a D. And your vowel will be? E. All righty, Allie, let's turn the board over. You can put a T in in number four. Okay. And a T in number nine. E in number two, and an E in number six, and an S in number eight. Okay. That's it? That'll be all. Good luck, Allie. All right, Allie, you have a nine-letter word. You have an E in number two, an E in number six, an S in number eight, and a T in number nine. Would you like to solve the puzzle? And you said number four. Number four is a T, yes. Okay. Yeah, I I have no clue. I'm sorry. Okay, so let's help Allie out here. Let's put an M in number one. And A oh, it's in, Meat Beast. What meat is beast. it now? It's Meat Beast. It is Meat Beast. <sighs> so sad. All right. Well, you, you still have two more games. Two more games of Wheel of Ferrat. So let's okay. try the second one, shall we? Okay. All right. The category is Expansion. Mm-hmm. 
Uh-huh. It's three words. Word one has three letters. Word two has nine letters. And word three has ten letters. You can pick five consonants and a vowel again. So what consonants would you like to choose? A C, a T, uh, a W. Oh, that's not right. <laughs> I'm already trying to solve the puzzle. Um, an R, an N. An N? And what's your vowel? Um, I'll take an A. An A. You can put a T in letter one. A C in letter 13. An N in number 11. An N in number 17. And that's all you have. That's horrible. All right, Allie, would you like to try to solve the puzzle? I have no idea. You have no idea. All right. I can't think of all the expansions. It's total pressure. You give me like 10 seconds to think this out. I'm sorry. All right. So let's help you out, Allie. It's the something. Let's put an H in number two. Right. An E in number three. A B in number four. An L in number five. O, O, D, Oh, L, that's not an expansion. I, N, E. Bloodline Chronicles. But Bloodline that, Chronicles. There you go. Technically, that's not an expansion. That was an adventure pack. All righty. I should get a half a point for that. Okay, moving on. Are you ready for puzzle number three? That This is not going well, Allie. All right, the category for puzzle number three, Allie, is place. And this is a five-word puzzle. Word one has eight characters. Word two has four. Words three and four both have five. And the final word has four characters in it. So, Allie, what are your five consonants for this puzzle? S. S. T. T. R. R. N. N. L. L. E. And an E. You can put an E in number three and number four, number 11, numbers 16, numbers 17. Ooh, quite a few E's. You can put a T in letter eight, letter nine. Letter 13. You can put an L in letter 21, 25, and 26. You may put an R in character number 2 and number 7. And number 15 and number 12. You actually picked quite a few good letters this round.
I'd like to solve the puzzle. Okay, yeah. Allie, what is your answer? Freeport Tier 3 Guildhall. Congratulations. There you go. <laughs> I finally get one. One out of three is not bad. But I did get half a point for the expansion the ex- because the that expansion was, not was kind of tricky. And I have to be honest, when I first came up with expansion, everything has O in the middle except for the Shadow Odyssey. And that was too obvious. But I didn't pick an O because I thought I could work yeah. around it. All right. What do you think of Wheel of Ferrat, even though you will not be buying a jet ski or going on a fabulous cruise? I thought it was trickery. All right. I'll, I'll, I'll accept it. Okay. I'll live with it. I'll live with my one and a half points. All right. How many, po- <laughs> how many points? How, how many I- points would you like for that game? Would you like 10? We'll give you 10 points. How does that sound? No, don't do that. Give okay. me real points. I want real points. All right. We'll give you five points then. Now you're no, getting No, I points. want one and a half points. All right. You can have one and a half points because the points don't matter. <laughs> All right, Allie. Are you ready for your next game show? Oh, I don't know. I All guess. right. You, this has not been your best in the past, but it's coming back one more time, Allie. It's time to start the Guild Feud. Oh, no. I hate this game. All right, Alicia's family, welcome back for the 2013 edition of the Guild Feud. Little bit of history for you. You are 0-2 in this game. I know. Let's hopefully we hopefully this year will be the year you can break the streak. I'll try my best. All right. So are you ready? Yes, Richard. Okay, hands by your side. We asked 100 Antonia Bale players, top five answers on the board. Here's the question. Name a deity in EverQuest 2. Bristlebane. All right. Show me Bristlebane. Number one answer, Allie. Number one. Ooh, yay. Starting off well this year. All right. Would you like to play or pass? I'll play. All right. Very good. And could I, please, could I get a kiss, darling? Oh, God. Any other cheek? The other cheek. My cheeks. <laughs> the other cheek. You know what cheek I'm talking about. All right, Allie. We surveyed 100 players over there on the Antonio BL server. Tell me the name of a deity in EverQuest 2. Nathaniel Marr. Show me Nathaniel Marr. Number five, Allie. Ooh, I get Number points again. five. Last year, we already had two strikes against us. So this is already turning out better. All right, Allie, you've got number one, Bristlebane. You've got number five, Nathaniel Marr. You still need two, three, and four. So give us the name of another deity in EverQuest 2. How about Tunar? Show me Tunar. Number four. Oh, wow. Number four, Allie. You are hot tonight. (laughs) Give me another kiss. 
All right, Allie. Numbers two and number three still on the board. Uh, let's try. Give me a deity. Let's, let's try Raylo Zek. Show me Raylo Zek. Number three. Oh, man. Holy cow. I need a clean sweep here, but I need a moment. All right, Allie. Only one answer left on the board. The number two answer. Give us a deity in EverQuest 2. Let's try Brel. Show me Brel. The streak comes to an end. All right. Oh, God. Now I got to come up with another one. (laughs) I'm trying to think of the name of that chick in the zone with the spiral staircase. (laughs) Okay. Is that your answer? No. Come on. I thought this was supposed to be fun. It is fun, but is that your answer? No. Well, okay. it's the what's her name that I can't remember her name. All right. So let's try that. <laughs> Chick in the zone with the spiral staircase whose name I can't remember. <laughs> that's a strike. No matter what that was, that's a strike. Do you even know who I'm talking about? No, but I tell you, that's not the answer. And that's still a strike. All right, Allie. So here we go. You've got one chance left. One answer on the board, one strike to give. Will this be the year that you redeem yourself in Guild Feud? Allie, please give us a name of a deity in EverQuest 2. Uh, I just can't. I can't. Oh, wait, wait. Oh, wait. <laughs> Three seconds, Allie. No, no, no. I can't do well under time pressure. <laughs> Interruck, Interruck. You want to say Interruck? Yeah. Show me Interruck. Oh, Allie, third strike. We were so close this year. Oh, oh, Allie. But I got four. You got four, but you needed all five. But that's really good. That is really good, but it's not good enough. But you don't have to get all five when you're on Family Feud. That's not fair. All right. Should we take a look? Yes. Number two. Soul Sick Row. Oh, I never would have gotten that. No, Not probably. in a million years. I, I have to say, though, that was pretty good. That's better than you've done in the past. There's no way I would have gotten that one. I didn't even remember that one. All right. I think I did really well, considering. All right. That what, what is the name of the chick in the place with the spiral staircase? I got to be honest. I don't know. Do you even know what's on it? The bone with pentaclips and ultaclips. Oh, with Nashti Sewell? Yeah, her. No, no, she wasn't on there. That's still, I know, but so that's still an saying, additional strike. Even after knowing the I top know, five, you're still guessing that's wrong. I just wanted to remember her name, and I couldn't. All right. Well, maybe, maybe next year will be your year for Guild Feud. I did better than last year. You did do better. We are getting better every year at it, at it Allie, but not good enough. All right. So are you ready for your next game? Of course I'm ready. All right, Allie. Come on down. You're the next contestant on The Broker is Right. All right, Allie, you ready to try your luck at the Broker is Right? 
I'm willing to give it a shot. All right. And just as a reminder, Allie, please help control the meat beast population. Have your meat beast spayed or neutered. All right. So uh, as you know, we played this game last year, and it's coming back again by popular demand. So we have uh, three items here that are up for bid on the broker's right. Uh, I'm going to describe the product to you, uh, and then we'll give you a suggested price. And your goal is to choose whether or not the actual broker price, minus broker fees, of course, for the unrest server, is it higher or lower than the, the suggested price that we have here? Okay. All righty. So you're ready for the first item? I'm ready. Okay. It is Spider, parentheses, Ranger. Activating this item will allow you to use a lurking blood curdler in your highly successful dungeon maker dungeons. It will spawn as spider, parentheses, ranger. Effects. Adds spider ranger to your highly successful dungeon maker toolbox. So, Allie, is the actual broker price of spider ranger higher or lower than two copper? Lower. You're going to go lower. So you're going to say that the actual price is one copper on the unrest server. Yes, that's what I'm saying. All right. And you would be correct, Allie. <laughs> it is actually selling for one copper. That does not surprise me at all. No, because that stuff's all over the broker. <laughs> all right. Are you ready for the next item? I am. All right. The next item up for bid, Allie, is bangers and mush. A warm plate of sausage served with mashed potatoes in a rich onion gravy. Goes great with any brew. It's a level 100 food. Duration, 34 minutes. And it increases your out-of-combat health generation by 236.9. And is suspended during combat. Uh, now, keep in mind, Allie, this is Bangers Ampersand Mush, not to be confused with the house item called Bangers and Mush. So, Allie, is the actual broker price higher or lower than two gold for Bangers Ampersand Mush? Uh, I'm going to say higher. We're going to go higher this time. Yes. All right. Unfortunately, Allie, the actual retail price is 99 silver at the moment. Well, I was close. Apparently, bangers and mush just doesn't, uh, doesn't draw them in. Maybe it's all that sausage. It could be. Or the onion gravy. I'm not a big fan of the onion gravy myself, but I, I do like a sausage with mashed potatoes. I do, too. All right. All righty, so the final item up for bid, Allie, and the uh, rubber match, because you're one for one here, this will decide your outcome for is the broker right, whether or not you win this game. All righty, Allie, it is Whispers of the Guckton. This aerial collection can only be found while flying about the treetops in Obal Plains. Not easily spotted as it blends in with the color of the sky. A must-have for every true shiny hunter. Is, Allie, the actual broker price higher or lower than 19 plat for Whispers of the Guckton? Higher. You're going to go higher than 19? Yes. What do you actually think it is? Somewhere in the 40s. Somewhere in the 40s. This is a highly valuable aerial shiny, you think? Yes. All right, so let's check. Allie, it was only 11 plat and 30 gold. Oh, we lost. Mm. Oh, this is not going well at all. 
All right. So how many points should we give you for that one? I only get one point for All that. Right, one point. So how many points do you have? I haven't been keeping track. I have two and a half. If I get zero for Guild Feud, I only have two and a half. All right. So let's give you two and a half. Would you like to round up? If you want. All right. We'll give you three points. How does that sound? I like that. All right. So are you ready then for the final game? The chance to either make or break your 2013 Are You Smarter Than an Alley challenge. This will make or break me? This will make or break you. How do we always end up with a tiebreaker here? I, I like to give you a chance to weasel out. Okay. All right. So your final game, Allie. Here it comes. All right, Allie, you have three points. Let's uh, write down how many points you'd like to wager on this category. Rating. Okay, I'm all set. I'm all set. All right, so you're ready for the question, or you're ready for the answer? I'm ready. All right, Allie. In the category rating, Captain Herbry, Debitini Kerpolonis, and Horfrost Pyreflight are all located in this LU-56 Raid Zone. All right, Allie, Captain Habri, Debertino Corpolis, and Horfrost Pyrefight are all located in this LU-56 raid zone. What did you write down? Uh, well, I said it was Throne of Storms. Okay. That is incorrect. <laughs> On two fronts. First, you need to phrase your answer in the form of a question. <laughs> But you managed to fail to do, and not only that, you managed to get the zone incorrect. The correct answer is, what is Icy Keep Retribution? Oh, jeez. Why? That sucks. So let me ask you, how many points of your three points did I you I wagered all three, of you course. You wagered all three again, and unfortunately, Final Jeopardy was your final downfall. I can't remember all these random names. I, I thought LU-56 was a clue. It was, but I can't remember when everything happened. I mean, I don't have, like, the the entire history of EQ2 burned in my memory like you do. I mean, you know the order of everything, and you know everybody's name, and you know every zone, and when it came out, and the update number, and all this crap. And I just don't. Okay. I just don't remember any of these things. All right. <laughs> Now, if you could describe the milestones inside of the zone, like uh, the fact that you have to jump down this little hole mm-hmm. and you land in a room with a bunch of, uh, you know, there's like anvils and stuff in there. Yeah, why don't I just give you the zone name at that point? <laughs> All right. Yeah, I can remember it from that. All right, fair enough. 
All right. Well, un- unfortunately, <laughs> are you smarter than Alicious? Well, it had its ups and downs this year. Yeah, that was a memory test, and I, you know, I have a really bad memory. All right. Wrong, sir. Wrong. Under Section 37B of the contract signed by him, it states quite clearly that all offers shall become null and void if, and you can read it for yourself in this photostatic copy, I, the undersigned, shall forfeit all rights, privileges, and licenses, hearing and hearing contained, etc., etc., fax mentis incendium gloria calpum, etc., etc., memo bis punitor delicatum. It's all there, black and white, clear as crystal. So you get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir. Well, that was fun. Three game shows plus one. <laughs> and none of them were Beast Lord. No, none of them had Beast Lord in it. No, but we did have a beast. We did have a meat beast. Yes, we did. So we should say thanks to everyone for downloading the podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. And we hope you come back next time. When somebody else will be in the driver's seat. And thanks again to this week's sponsor, Pooh Trap, the magic poop collector. And I'd like to say a special thanks to uh, Pranksters, where you can order the Prankster 1-2,000th ton Serious Burger. It's a one-pound burger with a slice of cheese. And be sure to check out the Jester Room for live entertainment every Sunday night. That's tonight. With the Chuck E. Baby's Sunday Night Menagerie Jam, featuring musicians from many different bands. That would be the definition of a menagerie jam. Yes. Mm. And you get that that one-ton burger there? One two-thousandth ton. Oh, one two-thousandth. Oh, okay. It's a serious burger, Del. Oh, I'm sorry. Sally, I I didn't mean to joke about it. I'm sorry. (laughs) If you'd like to reach us, how can they they reach us, Del? Uh, They can email me, I guess, can't they? Or I guess you're Allie. Oh, am I Allie this week? Okay, so you can email Allie at, uh, uh, I don't even know how to spell her name. It's like A-L-I at uh, EQ2talk.com. Yes, and you can reach me, Delmon, at D-E-L-L-M-O-N at EQ2talk.com. They can also <laughs> chat with us in-game. So if you want to talk with Alicious, that's EQ2.unrest.A-L-I-S-C-I-O-U-S. And you can reach Delmon at eq2.unrest.delmon, D-E-L-L-M-O-N, or join our in-game chat channel, which is eq2.unrest.eqtalk. You can also check us out over there on the Facebook, where we would like you to love us uh, by clicking the, not the like button, but really the love, no, there's no love button. It's only a like button. This should be a love button, though. Uh, but you can check us out over there. That's facebook.com slash eq2talk. Or follow us on Twitter at eq2talk. It's interesting how our names wind up like that. It is, isn't it? So why don't we say goodnight, Allie? They look fabulous. Oh, it's me. (laughs) Okay, hold on a second. This is, I gotta, you know, it might take me a couple of tries because I only do this once a year. This is episode 62, and we are recording on March 31st, two thousand. Tip, tip, tip. <laughs> I had a couple of glasses of wine at my parents' house, so I'm a little warm and fuzzy.
Yes. You remember this one, right? Same as last year. <sighs> the one I suck at? Yep. Running out. I did them all, you know. <laughs> that sounded bad. You mean the place that looks like Massachusetts? Well, don't take forever. I know. I'm I'm looking. I'm trying. Just have fun with this. I'm trying, but I have to write it down. Okay. I'm not Googling. I'm thinking, and you keep talking. Oh, it's just any NPC. It's not an NPC in Farad. <laughs> oh, I, I have a job to do. Crap. Are you tired of taking your dog for a walk and picking up after their mess? Are you tired of using grocery bags or products that are heavy and not useful? It can get very messy when your pet goes in the house or on the sidewalk or even your neighbor's lawn. We have the answer for you. Introducing Poo Trap, an amazing new innovation that eliminates the need of picking up after your dog. Poo Trap is a unique new product that fits any size dog without any hassles and your pets will love it too. It's easy to install on your dog and makes your walking experience fun. Walking your dog just got easier with a poo trap. No poops, no whoops. Poo trap is available in eight sizes and three colors. There are no substitutes. Poo trap, the magic poop collector. Order yours today. Call 888-POO-TRAP. That's 888-766-8727. Call now or visit our website at www.pootrapusa.com. Order yours today.